0: Welcome to a Monday edition of the Spielman and Hooley Weed Tackle Life podcast. Uh, all is well in the world. There's a, something mysteriously wet falling from the skies in central Ohio. I don't know what that is. Uh, the sky feels like it's falling in Cincinnati where Chris has returned after watching uh, number one overall pick Kyler Murray take down the Bengals. But the sky is fully supported and held firmly in place in the uh, world of the Ohio State Buckeyes with an extremely impressive, I thought, 34-10 to 10 win over Michigan State on Saturday night.
1: Where are we starting? We starting with Ohio State? We starting start with, with the Bengals, State. I think the
0: Bengals aren't quite top uh, priority and the Browns, <laughs> even though they're playing tonight. Let's get to the Buckeyes first since that's, uh, you know, just barely in our rearview mirror. And it has allowed Ohio State to grab, let's see, they're up to tied for third in the AP poll with Georgia. So they move up from four. They move up a spot in the coaches poll from five to four, so I think it's safe to say over the last two weeks, people increasingly impressed with Ohio State.
1: Well, if they're not, they, they need to be and even more impressed after that game, and I'll tell you why. From, from my perspective, it started out slow, right, which is fine, Very and slow. you need adversity because you're going to have adversity when you advance to the playoffs, and right now, we're assuming they're going to advance to the college football playoff. Are versus, assuming, I think I'm, that's a fair assumption. I don't to know.
0: ESPN's sixty-seven percent chance. Like I love what Herbie said about Clemson. Like who's going to beat Clemson? And in the Big Ten, who's going to beat Ohio State? Yeah.
1: Well, somebody. You never know. It's college football, and there's always it seems Clemson usually has that one game a year. We always used to say. I remember they're going to pull a Clemson, right? Yeah. That, Clemsoning. That's, so to, to me though, when I watch this team and how they respond, there's just. There's just a genuine confidence about this team. It's not false bravado whatsoever, but just a confidence. It's only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. You know, They had to, Michigan State had two fumbles in the first four touches of the football that yep. they had on the offense, yep. and Ohio State only got three points out of that.
0: Michigan State had to feel good about that.
1: Oh, they had to feel lucky about yeah. that. And, and, you know, I think Michigan State helped Ohio State because everything that they had to do, they couldn't do, make every catch— 25 dropped a couple passes and he's a good player he dropped a couple passes they didn't capitalize on any opportunities or mistakes by Ohio State but Ohio State is so good and so explosive and the best comment that Herbie had and I agree with this and we've been saying it uh, all year is that they're so difficult to defend because they can hit you in so many ways and if you have everybody covered and all of a sudden Justin Fields does a spin around move or takes off and runs it's it's so frustrating for a defense but they're so explosive i mean you got 24 in the second half, I remember I said, well, in the second quarter, I'm going to take a shower. I come back, there's 14 points on the board. Yeah. What, yeah. I, I mean, what happened? You 16
0: know? plays, 16 yards in the first quarter, 290-plus yeah. in the second that's, quarter. It's insane to be Just, that good against a good defense. Big play after big play. Uh, Justin Fields, a 35-yard run. I thought that really loosened up Michigan State uh, when the quarterback can make you pay for Rushing the passer like they did, uh, the design of the play, uh, fake zone read run pass to Ben Victor a flat. He takes it the distance, and J.K. Dobbins' 67-yard run. Those three big plays uh, were the undoing of Michigan State. And I thought, to your point, uh, 34-10, but the way 34-10, uh, 34-10 unfolded, I think it's really good for this team. I think it's good for him to face adversity. I think it's good for him. I mean, the the, the Twitter is always interesting because you can take a barometer, an instant temperature. Sure. After the first quarter people were like, oh, up, oh, offensive line's overrated. I knew it. A uh, bunch of bunch of <laughs> yeah. bunch of know, cupcakes. Uh, they can't run the ball. Blah, blah, blah. You know, what's going to happen when we play Clemson and play Alabama?" And then the second quarter they figured it out and they rushed for like 300 yards That's against insane. a defense giving up 55 yards. Well,
1: they just they will wear you down and defenses don't have enough skill. Now, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, now maybe Maybe LSU and, and maybe Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma the, would outscore you. I mean, that's the be. that's the thing. Oklahoma can score yeah. points. I don't know if they would do that on Ohio State's defense, but you know, a guy that's really playing well and he had a couple. Just talked to a few NFL scouts about him when I'm running around the, on Sundays and on the weekends about NFL uh, NFL people. I shouldn't say scouts. So I guess. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna say defense. Malik Harrison.
1: Yo, they Yeah, he's on there. But the guy that's really uh, catching a lot of people's eye because of the nature of the position is our Arnett, Damon Arnett. Damon Arnett. Arnett. Okay. Yeah, he's Man, he playing. He set out the second half. He, <laughs> I know, but he's still – he's a guy that I think is got a bright future, Akuda Everybody likes him. I, I, I've talked to two guys over the last three weeks that said they wish they had him on their team now Wow, because of the nature of the position and how important – the cornerback position is, but just all around, a great effort. And I'm going to stay with my prediction right now. And it, Obviously, I reserve the right to change my mind each and every week on the information that I have. It's your podcast. But we may be looking at the best team in Ohio State history. I, I'm i having a hard time. Can't go there yet. I, I know you can't, and I, and I get that, but I'm having a hard time finding a weakness on this football team. There's not a weakness on the defensive side of the ball. Okay, let me throw something in.
0: Michigan State seemed to have some success throwing in between the seams of the zone. And I thought and I wrote at halftime for my Sports Illustrated Ohio State site, si.com backslash college backslash Ohio State, that Clemson, Alabama will be pouring over this kind of film in December looking at how Michigan State's able to get the ball to the tight end, a right. kid out of Pickerington, Trenton Gillison, and the way they were able to get Daryl Stewart on those crossing routes. And if you have a talented quarterback, a Tua Tungvaloa, a Trevor Lawrence, presumably he'll start playing better, uh, and you've got big, tall, strong, fast receivers yeah. like those two teams do, that's the one thing I thought, ah, been looking for a weakness, maybe that's where teams attack the zone.
1: Well, I, I think also is that you also look at the defense and say, okay, this is the first time where they've played somebody capable of doing that. Now, that doesn't mean that Ohio State, they're just going to sit by and say, oh, well, that's a weakness. Is our, we'll do nothing about it. You know, obviously you coach it and you get better at defending that type of play or that type of uh, pers- uh, that type of passing attack. So I don't think that's necessarily a weakness I just think you learn where your mistakes are you get exposed a little bit and you fix those mistakes but the, the problem that teams have is Ohio State can can uh, shut you down they make it very difficult to score but if some team does score on them like uh, an Alabama for example just for example They can get in a scoring fight with you. They did it all last year, and they're certainly offensively capable of being as explosive last year as this year. I think they're more explosive on offense this year than they are last year. Agreed. For one reason and one reason only, the added dimension of of Justin Fields running the football, which I didn't think he was this explosive. I mean, people were telling me I didn't see it in the first couple games, but when he needs to go, he's gone. It's, a, it's amazing how big he is, too.
0: One thing to their explosivity being greater this year, I would say uh, it is uh, a greater asset to have a true change of pace back in Master Teague, while you had Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins, they were the same kind of back. A, I think J.K. Dobbins is better, appreciably better, and Master Teague is a guy who, if you've been worn down by J.K. Dobbins, Master Teague will wear you down even more. Defensively, I want to ask you, because your expertise is, you know, unapproached in that area, you talked about it's the first time they've been challenged by a team like Michigan State with some talent like that to do the things they did with their tight ends and Daryl Stewart. Is it, incorrect to say that Ohio State has made a value judgment. I I would think on defense you can't take away everything. They've gone from more man to more zone coverage. Mm -hmm. But I think they've made a value judgment. We have a really good pass rush. We're going to get there before you have time to really find guys in the seams. Or we're going to tackle well because we're tackling better. Uh, You do have to give up something at some point in time, don't you?
1: Zone allows a team that is capable. Uh, I said capable. There's not many teams left on Ohio State's schedule that are capable. Uh, one team that is of concern is Wisconsin, I'll tell you why because when you play a zone defense, there is a little bit of you understand there's a weakness and if a quarterback finds that weakness and a game plan is to attack that weakness and it's all about recognition, then you can go ahead and move the ball from the 20s to the 20s, right? Teams get more aggressive when the 20 at the 20yard line in because the field shrinks so you can blitz more and play man more. Well, and plus you're picking up a 12th defender with the back line of the end zone. Mm-hmm. So that's why teams, you'll see teams get play a little bit more man down in that area and become a little bit more aggressive down in that area. And the ball has to get out quicker. The problem that is, is a little bit difficult, I don't know if teams have the patience to sit there and say, okay, we're going to move it from the 20 to 20 at 5 or 6 or 7 or 8 yards at a pop Because I don't know if teams are capable of doing that. And when you play that type of defense, you're counting on Chase Young to make a sack. You're counting on Pete Warner to knock a ball down. You're counting on uh, maybe them guys because of the relentless pass rush getting the holding call. So you almost have to be perfect and patient if you want to beat this Ohio State defense. Because they are capable of wearing you out. And you're going to tell me that this team... Is going to let it, let it, and when you play zone, this is a little bit more vulnerable to this. Let somebody have maybe a, a 12 to 15 play drive, right? So you're saying that Ohio State won't make any plays within that 12 to 15 plays, and our offense won't make any mistakes.
0: Well, I think. Does for, that make sense to you? It does for the regular season schedule for Michigan State, for Penn State, for Michigan, for Wisconsin. But I think when you play an Alabama and you play a Clemson, what they're betting on is. They'll get the ball to Henry Ruggs, yeah. Devontae Smith, Justin Ross, sure. and you'll miss yeah. in the open field, and it's bye-bye. Well, that's become, that's what they're bad. Yeah, well,
1: that's where it becomes yeah. good on good. Yeah. Who's good is better than who's good? Our good's better than your good.
0: Yeah, and and, that's, that's and, and, how but games that's, are decided. That's
1: how it's supposed to be, right? That's so right. when you when you get to an Ohio State and an Alabama, All State, Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, whatever the case may be, those teams that we've been talking about, it's going to be like an NFL game. Oh, Most boy. NFL games, or there's a, all the close ones, are decided by four or five plays, right? Even when you think a team's down seventeen, does it? Somebody always comes back.
0: Yeah, it I mean, seems look, like Ohio that. State was up or down twenty-one-six to Bama in the semifinals in twenty fourteen.
1: The Bengals were down fourteen going into the fourth quarter and come back and tie
0: it. Yeah. Teams that are behind <laughs> seem to have a strange momentum. I, know, why, it's just, it, I know. It's like a mystery to it me. Well, I, mean, look at the, I thought the Cowboys yesterday yeah, were going to come all the way back and beat the Packers. I'm like, you're going to be up 28 late yeah. in the third and lose this game? And uh, thankfully, Dak Prescott uh, kept the Packers uh, immune. So, that. But that that's when we when we talk about
1: when you play somebody that's equally <laughs> as talented as Ohio State athletically. As talented Ohio State, it's going to come down to four or five plays. Yes. That's just the way all great games are. You know, there's ebb and flows of every game. There's plays here or there, but it's it's four or five plays at key moments at key times. That's what the game comes down to. That's right. I mean, even in the Bengal game yesterday, there were two plays that the Bengals screwed up on that cost them the game. You don't
0: like Andy Dalton on short yardage run?
1: Not with and Joe Mixon is your lead blocker out of shotgun with a half a yard to go. When Trey Hopkins is handling his guy all day, all trick, you have to do is sneak it. it for a half a yeah, yard. Know. The play that really bothered me was the um, missed throw by Dalton to Eifert yeah. in the end zone. Did you see that where he threw it behind him? I, I mean, did. That guy was wide. I mean, in the NFL, that's considered wide open. What do you
0: say about Andy Dalton? Good enough to win it for you, good enough to keep the other team in it. Well, I'm
1: not – It's it, you know, Andy Dalton also is a victim of – Guys dropping balls yeah, everywhere. It is.
0: And bad pass protection. So if a guy's shell-shocked. Although pass protection was, was really good yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, Where'd the run go after the first drive? Gone. I don't know. It disappeared. Uh, both teams were a little guilty of unnecessary cuteness you, in their play callings. Uh, obviously you heard that yes. on the
1: podcast because I was I heard that jump. on the Gamecast. You yeah. and Tom Brenneman, a treat Why? to have
0: the
1: two of you. <laughs> Why?
0: Cliff Kingsbury. What, Cliff? Let me show you how smart I am. We're
1: we're running up and down the field. Hey, let's do a double pass with Larry Fitzgerald. Let Kyler Murphy, a guy that we're trying to limit as many runs because we want to have some called runs. What are we doing? I don't know. Why are we doing that? I don't know. He was a 500 coach at Texas Tech. Look, I think offensively his mind is he's really good. I do think this offense can work in the NFL, and I'm just curious on your thought. I think a guy like Justin Fields – in Kyler Murray, quarterback run can be a part of an NFL offense for two reasons. One, that quarterback can control himself. He has a natural by, by the nature of the rules, he has a protective barrier around him.
0: And nobody does it better at that position than who? Who do you who runs? But you never see him get a big hit.
1: I, I would say Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Who, by the way, for inside information, this is really cool. <laughs> That Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury after every game watch Russell Wilson film. Because Smart. that's who Kyler Murray okay. wants to pattern his game off. But I think for for the Cardinals to be successful, they he's I like Kyler Murray. I, I don't know what your stance is on him. I like him. I think he's worthy of the first round pick. I like him I think a lot you better can than, you can build than like, a franchise around him.
0: I like him a lot better than I like Lamar Jackson. Okay. Three interceptions. He throws yesterday. the ball better. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, could you have gotten away with this on Fox yesterday? It strikes me when we're talking about Cliff Kingsbury getting cued on the play call. <laughs> Cliff Kingsbury calling plays is like Trump on Twitter. He needs somebody to like keep him from hitting send. Like Trump, his tweets sometimes are like, okay, don't, yeah. don't send that. Cliff Kingsbury at times when well, he wants to send in a play, he needs somebody to go, no, 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 we're running it fine. No double pass right here.
1: I think um, I think he calls a really good game. I think there's a times where, like on that one, I would say that's, this might not be the time for it. We got it going. Yeah. We don't need to. Zach Taylor pre- might be that guy too. Well, I I think Zach is a really smart coach. I really do. Um, I just don't understand that fourth and one call. It, was, it wasn't It was even fourth and one. It was fourth in less Put than a yard. Sneak it. And... I don't understand why we're in shotgun and why you're having Joe Mixon, who has no interest, no interest, in blocking. I hope you saw that they took him out in the fourth quarter when I said, "Hey, what do, Joe Mixon is going to get your quarterback killed here." Yeah,
0: Gio Bernard, least uh, utilized talent in the NFL. So,
1: well, and here's the uh, the other thing with this too, in you know you have a guy like Cliff Kingsbury and Zach Taylor those guys are very capable of being coaches. There's a learning curve that is involved with this. So when you hire those guys, you have to give them that curve. Now, you're asking Zach Taylor to coach an offense that has two of its starting tackles missing, its third offensive tackle missing. You're having a rookie at left guard and Michael Jordan start. You're having cast-offs, a Miller at 67 at guard, and Bobby Hart from the Giants, you're having cast-offs as you're starting offensive line. You're having John Ross, who started out the year pretty good, now on IR, no surprise there. One of the top receivers in the game when healthy, A.J. Green. You have a tight end, Tyler Eifertz, that's on the downside of his career. And by the way, go outscore everybody and go play, Andy Dalton. I mean, I'm just taking, I'm not making excuses, I'm just giving you a realistic
0: view of where this team is. Well, let me bring this back to Ryan Day. It was one of the things I thought was remarkable about Saturday night's game and really good if you're looking for things like, okay, what can we learn about Ohio State? It's a matchup of Ryan Day, who we assume is a master play caller. You've said you were extremely impressed with him when he was at Boston College and a master defensive play caller in Mark D'Antonio. It's a great matchup of those two guys. And Mark D'Antonio, you could, you could argue, won the first quarter, but Ryan Day adjusted and figured it out which tells me that Ohio State is not going to be, because I think the, the, the question I have is, they get in the playoff, and it's Alabama, and it's Clemson, and it's Ohio State. Okay, as good as Ryan Day is and as good as Justin Fields are, they're less experienced than their counterparts on those other sidelines. With young NFL coaches, don't you have to sort of expect... When they're given all that freedom to call plays and run their own operation, they're going to make some mistakes. They're probably they're going to be better coaches two, three, four years in Wait, than they are right, now. One hundred percent. And agree. so Ryan Day, right now, pretty special, I think, based on what I saw Saturday night and the way his team adjusted from first quarter to second
1: quarter. Well, that's the thing. There's the misnomer out there, and I want to jump through a TV set or smash my head through the TV set when I hear um, announcers say, well, they got to make halftime adjustments. There's no such thing. You ask any coach, college or pro, any coach, Um, w- when do you make adjustments? You make adjustments after each series. Mm-hmm. When the Bengals are running the ball in the first drive for 68 yards, the second series, they're not getting the job done because the Cardinals made an adjustment. They went to a bare front. So, uh, you know... You have to be able to adjust on each series what teams are doing, and you got to be able to counterpunch. That's what you have to do. Like Lou Anarumo, the defensive coordinator, who I think is a smart guy.
0: He, I really do. Bengals, D.C.
1: So Kyler Murray had a run that was very successful where they had the two inside backers. They're looking because it was empty, no back. So they're looking right away on the snap of the ball, to go help on the outside, mm-hmm. they have two safeties deep, four guys rushing. So Kyler Murray sees that as soon as those two guys turn away, he's running the football right up the middle, and and it's the it's the biggest play of the game. And before I'm I'm not I'm not tooting my horn here, but I'm just saying I I'm up there and I'm saying he's going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. He's going to run the ball. It's a too high look. There's the the linebacker's they just got beat on this a few series ago. And you're going to call the same defense without accounting for Kyler Murray running the football? I and mean, I, I like if I were head coach, I mean, it's my job to sit there, hey, get on the headset. Just like a, hey, I don't care what we're doing in this situation. He's running the ball. Account for Kyler Murray put somebody in there that's an athlete that can watch him so he can't just take off up the middle for 40 yards to set up the game-winning field goal. I wanted to jump out of the booth, and I don't know why. Thankfully, you did. But I don't know why I want to jump out of the booth. I don't, I, I don't know
0: why I get so invested in this. I'm going to have to tell Tom to tie you down in the no. booth from now no. on. They all want to tie me down there. Speaking of Ryan Day, it's time for our flashes of fun, in-focus comment of the night. Here is Ryan Day about the status of his
2: Ohio State Buckeyes at the midpoint of the regular season, a perfect 6-0. and Well, I think that the chemistry... Of the uh, the team is um, very good. I think the leadership is strong. I think that um, we're playing tough. I think that we can learn a ton from this game though, and I think that this is a perfect opportunity to sit back and look at these six games, evaluate where we've gone, where we are, and where we're headed. Um, but but this this was this was the perfect game to kind of do that. And um, uh, you know again, you're going against a really good defense with really good players, you know, really good quarterback. And, and so, you know, they expose some things that maybe we got away with in, in, in the last couple of games. And so uh, that the best thing to do is now get on the film and, and, and work on it to get better.
0: Flashes of fun, great uh, photography, affordable photography, affordable senior pictures, pet pictures. You can find them on the web flashesofun.com and book uh, for $50 off. So I like what he said, that it was a game that they learned a lot from. I think he learned a lot about his quarterback. In fact, he talked about Justin Fields and what he uh, saw from Justin Fields, who had an interception, had a fumble, had a tough first quarter. Everything was going Justin Fields' way in the first six games, or excuse me, first
2: five games, uh, Ryan Day on Justin Fields. That's what I've been really looking forward to seeing, how he was going to respond, because early on, uh, there were some mistakes made. That was not a good quarter of football, but that was good. It was hard. You know, kind of guys digging at each other, grinding and kind of yelling at each other and say, we got to figure this thing out. And then we did. And, and that was uh, one of those boxes you check off.
1: Well, that's that's why this game was so important for him. That's why it's so important to see their response where they don't start panicking or pointing fingers when he tells about yelling at them. It's, it's more of a look, I'm going to do this. You have to do this. I'm counting on you to do your job. I bet you Ryan Day when he looks at it, OK, we're six and oh. And I got to go out here and I got to answer these questions to the press. All right, what answers am I going to have? Okay, my press answers are going to be this. Man, we got to get better. There's still a lot of areas to clean up. Um, we had an opportunity here. We should have made that play. I'm going to really get on these guys. We can't let this happen. We can't let that happen. Here's what I think. He goes back into the, his office. And he sits down in his chair and he looks around that beautiful wood office that the head coach has over there at the Woody Hayes oh, that like First, he says, "Thank you, Urban, for giving me all this talent." <laughs> Second, he says, "I cannot believe how good we are." Yeah, he knows. I cannot believe how good we are. And third, I bet you in in, in the best moments that he has. And by the way. I'm really good. Yeah, I'm good at what I do. I mean, you
0: know when you know, and he he shows. I mean, look, I'm all in on. I don't him. say that like he's a cocky no, guy. I just I'm say all like, in on him. I don't think he's uh, drunk on his success, but I think he's aware of his success. Um, and he knows and, he's and good. The way that not tra- cocky. Yeah, the way that transpired could not be more ideal going into an off week. Let's say it was forty-eight nothing, and. We know what the narrative was after Nebraska. Oh, Ohio State's best in the country. Everybody nationally is picking up on it. If you do that to Michigan State on a Saturday night, back-to-back Saturday nights, 25th ranked team defense with the with the resume of Michigan State, yeah. it gets pretty hard to convince your guys that there are mistakes on film when you're just running everybody out of the building right away. I think this gives him the ideal. Hey, see, if we don't play, if we're not prepared, if we're not tough, the first quarter happens. That's what happens, guys. So he can show them, and we, and and he's right, will play better teams than Michigan State. Not very many, but they'll play Wisconsin and they'll play Penn State, who I would say right now are better than Michigan State. I don't think Michigan's better than Michigan State.
1: Uh, No, but Michigan's defense uh, really played well on Saturday. I watched that game in its entirety. That's the kind of Michigan defense that I was expecting from their secondary from their linebackers to their defensive line in that pass rush, Nate Stanley, who hasn't thrown an interception in 160 attempts or whatever, I mean, they just handled them. They had no answer for the the athleticism, by the way, in the blitz packages of Don Brown in that Michigan Wolverine defense. Offensively, uh, uh train wreck. It's just a yeah, train wreck. It just it is what it is, man. Yeah. It just is what it is. Your defense has to win football games for you. I That's their so. identity.
0: I said Saturday night on the post-game podcast, if Harbaugh, if you gave him a choice, if he could get mono and not have to go to the November 30th game and watch Ohio State run up and down a field on him, <laughs> he'd be tempted to take it. All right, I'll say yeah. Leave it to Don Brown that day.
1: Well, I mean, that's their whole team. They, their thing is, if I'm Harbaugh, I'm saying, look, we can't turn the ball over. And we got to play trestle ball. we got to punt and play defense, punt and play defense, punt and play defense, score when we have field position.
0: That's why I thought in the first quarter Saturday night, Michigan State might be channeling its 2015 Sparty because they were on schedule. They had limited the damage from their turnovers. They were making first downs enough to give their defense some rest. And then the big plays for Ohio State took over. And they just took over. And that's the problem is they put so much stress on you. Uh, that eventually a leak springs, and when yeah. a leak springs, or you miss a tackle, guy missed a tackle on Ben Victor, uh, it's over.
1: You know, a player that I've really come to enjoy watching play and is really reliable and tough is KJ Hill. I think he's really a good player. The third man. down
0: completion to him, Ryan Day said after was big to just get them into rhythm.
1: I just, but I think he's he's so good with run after catch. He's excellent at route running. He's very smart all their receivers but i think kj hill is that that one guy that if i need something or if i have to have it that's going to be my first look or if i'm ryan day he's i'm going to have a play where he's the first option Mm -hmm. where i know i can get him to football and i can count on him to make a tough catch or make a good run after catch really been impressed with his play all year and even going back to last year
0: no he's Big play at Penn State last yeah. year. He's, Austin he's Mack such, made a he's, nice he's a, catch in traffic yeah. on Saturday night. I mean, I mean, their receivers it, it, are it, solid, yeah. man. <laughs> you Victor got, had the first drop, but yeah. Garrett Wilson keeps showing more and more <laughs> and more.
1: And you got—that's what I'm saying. You got yeah. three more in the barn back there. All right, your turn.
0: You're up, Luke Farrell, tenth guy to catch a touchdown <laughs> pass this year. And that was a heck of a run-after-catch. You know, it's not that, it's not as long uh, as Victor's, but that's a big-time run-after-catch. They catch. are
1: fun to watch. Enjoy it, folks. Enjoy uh, it.
0: Justin Fields, second quarter. What's the difference
2: for you, Justin Fields? Uh, when, when that stuff happens, I mean, you have to just really forget about it. Coach is saying, move on to the next play, settle down, settle down. So he just c- kind of reminded me to keep settling down and uh, just, just play the game like it was practice, really, because when the game comes on, you just re- kind of go back to your training. So... Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's what we did a better job of in the second quarter.
1: I think he benefits as much as anybody from playing in that type of game, in that type of atmosphere. You know, he needs to have adversity. He needs to have where things aren't going his way. And the one thing you want to see growth, everybody understands physically that he's more than capable of doing what he needs to do to have this team play at its best. Mentally, we just didn't know and he passed a big test in my eyes, mentally.
0: Well, it's a new uh, experience for him. That's because what I mean.
1: We just didn't know. He never had the opportunity l- to show it. Now he's
0: learned from that. Last year at Georgia, he comes in. He's a change-of-pace quarterback. If they're struggling, they bring Justin Fields in. What happens if Justin Fields struggles? Well, they go back to Jake Fromm. They go right back to Jake Fromm. I mean There's no safety. net not a bad guy to go back no, to. No, but there's no safety net this year. There's no safety net. Like, well, they're not bringing Chris Chuganoff in. No. They're not a Gunnar Hoke in. All right, tonight, uh, Browns. And uh, 49ers, our preview of that. First, we thank West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating for sponsoring the podcast. West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating, servicing all of Central Ohio. And if you're putting in a new furnace, whether a new build or a replacement furnace, West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating, with awesome Lennox high efficiency products, will give you up to hundreds off your new furnace installation. I said plumbing and heating. Of course, cooling goes with heating. So, air conditioning issues. It's probably uh, not front burner for you right now, but a furnace check should be because you're going to need that furnace as it's getting cooler. So uh, call West Jefferson Plumbing and Heating. Again, they service all of Central Ohio. They show up on time, and you can reach them on the web at westjeffplumbingandheating.com or via the phone, 614-879-9606. 49ers are the only team in the NFL, Mr. Spielman, that has run the ball more than they have thrown the ball. Their pass rush, uh, I think, tonight is the key to this game. Uh, If the Browns can handle DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, Nick Bosa, then I think the Browns will win. If they can't, then I think the 49ers are going to stay unbeaten.
1: Here, the Browns are a microcosm of the NFL. And what I mean by that is which Browns team is going to show up because we see it with the – is it the good Raiders team or the bad Raiders yep. team? Good Bears team, bad Raiders team. Uh, the, the perfect example – is it the good Vikings team or the bad Vikings team? Good the Cowboys. Cow- good
0: Cowboys, bad Cowboys.
1: I mean, it's that's just the it's unbelievable. The Titans that win
0: by 30 or the <laughs> Titans that yak and one away. I mean, I mean it's, just,
1: it's it's, it's a, that's why I love the NFL. I absolutely love the NFL. That being said, all right, I'm going to give you a scouting report on the San Francisco 49ers. They're really good. And people, why? 49ers? They're really good up front. You know, you mentioned 3 Of the defensive linemen that they have, right?
0: They've invested first round high picks. And
1: you forgot one who's actually probably underperformed previous years, but this year has come out. Storming is Eric Armstead. Okay. He's the other kid, number one pick from Oregon, along with the Force Buckner. He is playing at a high level. They made a great free agent acquisition in the offseason. They lost Ruben Foster, who was, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously made awful decisions off field on the field was a big loss for them so john lynch goes and gets a guy who blew his knee out at tampa last year by the name of Quan alexander Quan alexander is a playmaker at linebacker he's excellent in coverage he plays with a lot of heart and passion they got a solid linebacker by the name of fred warner jr who's their middle linebacker and leading tackler those two guys are really good players everybody plays nickel Richard Sherman, um, first of all, is a—I can sit there and have a conversation with him for an hour. Now, we're not going to agree on everything, but he is an interesting guy and one of the smartest football players that I've ever sat down and had a conversation with. He is very difficult to beat. He's smart. He makes plays. He's steady. He's reliable defense is really good. They were struggling mightily last year. They had some uh, added some good players to their defense. They're healthy. They weren't healthy last year. They're playing at a high level, and a guy by the name of Robert Sala is the defensive coordinator. Um, really sound and smart in what he does. On offense, Jimmy Garoppolo is a lot like Kirk Cousins, a lot like uh, Case Keenum, where you – Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton we why? Then he'll come back and, and throw bullets and darts six in a row. then all of a sudden he'll throw one up and say, what are you doing? Why would you what and possibly could you have possibly seen by doing that? Their offensive line, this is going to be a big test for the front seven of the Cleveland Browns. Their offensive line as a group is as physical as an offensive line as there is. I mean, they take so much pride. In their run blocking and finishing and moving guys off the line of scrimmage. They're the best play action team in the NFL, meaning that their offensive line sells it better than anybody else in the NFL. Running backs, it's whoever's who's ever back there. They got three, uh, four guys you never heard it, of. Yeah. It, uh, well, they got it,
0: Tevin Coleman back tonight. Well, but so back but, from his but, high ankle sprain. But
1: there's a guy named uh, uh, Mostert, Raheem Mostert, yep. there's a, or there's a guy named. Uh, I forget his name. Brady, uh, Brady, uh, Brida, Matt Brida. who Be is a fullback. No, he's a running back. Who every time I watch him play is producing. They're, Matt Brida
0: five point five yards per yeah. carry. Raheem Mostert, five point nine. Yeah. Jeff Wilson's the short yardage specialist. They got everything. Yeah, and Kevin and, Coleman uh, back tonight.
1: Uh, Usech is a guy that's like a fullback slash tight end. That's an excellent blocker, and by the way, you better account for him in the pass game. Their weakness is they don't have a number one wide receiver right now. Correct. They're playing with guys that I consider uh, backups.
0: Dante Pettis, I think, is uh, probably no. He's not
1: even. He couldn't even get on the field. Now they had a Dabo Samuel. They got a kid that's a young guy. According
0: to the Athletic and a story from Tim Kawakami uh, yesterday, the Niners could have had Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, they had the number two pick. Giants would have certainly taken the number two pick. Giants didn't want the number two pick to spend it on Daniel Jones. They thought that was too high. Yeah. They and the Niners really wanted Nick Bosa, so they took Nick Bosa. But if they wanted Odell, they could have had Odell. Yeah. Um, so I like the
1: Bosa over the Odell. Yeah, I do anyway. too
0: for long term and lack of drama and all that kind of stuff.
1: Here's the the one factor that's the and if those that uh, Browns fans are listening and watch tonight, you, you're going to watch the best tight end in football,
0: George Kittle. I will never forget his name again.
1: Well. And you're going to watch, I think, Kyle Shanahan because everybody knows has a defensive game plan. It's uh, Steve Wilkes, the defense coordinator. Mm-hmm. All right, he's going in his meeting room. Boys, we've got to take care of George Kittle. Every defensive coordinator does that. The problem is Kyle has such a way of designing ways to get him home, whether you bracket him or whatever you do to him. He's so hard to stop, but because he presents such a threat, he usually occupies two defenders because you can't man him up. You can't. If you try to man him up, he's going to get open.
2: All
0: right, I, could the Browns use the 49ers defensive line alignment? Apparently they play the wide 9 where their ends line up outside the tackles. Mm-hmm. That would seem to me to create some gaps for Nick Chubb.
1: Well, yeah, I I don't know if they're in that all the time. Okay. Okay, they they play a a variety of fronts like most teams. Sometimes they're wide, sometimes they're not wide. You're not going to sit up there and stand and put all that pressure on your guys. The 49ers do like an eight-man front. So they're daring you to throw the football. So it could be a big night for Baker Mayfield. The problem is that they are able, and this is the biggest difference with this team from this year to last year, because of the injuries last year, the 49ers always had to bring five or six guys to get any pressure. So they were weak in their pass coverage. Obviously, you take somebody to rush. You take somebody away to cover. This year, they've been able to, and it's the biggest difference, according to Richard Sherman, according to Robert Sala, and according to my eyes. This is the biggest difference between the 49er defense from last year to this year is that they are getting constant pressure because of the addition of Nick Bosa, because of DeForest Buckner, who's one of those outstanding three techniques we talk uh, talk about at length. Oh, and we forgot the guy we uh, got for the guy uh, from uh Kansas City, Houston or uh
0: Justin Houston's with the Colts.
1: Just... Okay, who's D Ford? We forgot about D Ford. We did. D did. Ford. My bad. We have D Ford coming up. You got both off wooden edge, D Ford off the other. So you're bringing guys and getting pressure with four. It's they're a really good defense. So and now, is Chubb going to get involved? If Chubb's involved, that helps Baker. Does Baker stay in the pocket? Does he spread the ball around? All these good things the Browns need to have happen. So it's at San Francisco. It's a tough place to play. You have to go west. I can't wait to watch it because I want to see how the Browns respond. Is it going to be the good Browns or the bad Browns?
0: 515 kick in uh, San Fran or wherever it is Santa Clara. Santa Clara, thank you. Uh, 49ers cornerback Akilo Witherspoon is out and Browns a big loss. wide receiver Antonio Callaway is back from his four-game suspension for okay. substance abuse. Another weapon. So you got Landry's out of the concussion pro- protocol. You've got Antonio Callaway. You've got Odell Beckham and a banged-up niner secondary. Um, who does Richard Sherman cover? Then i got to put Richard Sherman, they're creaky big old z- Richard Sherman on big OBJ. Zone. Are they? They're
1: a big zone team. So. <coughs> no, okay. No, I don't think they
0: worry about Your it. pick? Would you like to make a pick? What's the spread? Do you know? I have no idea what the spread is. I'm gonna take Cleveland Browns, 31, San Francisco 49ers, 28. Boy. By the way, uh, I texted former Buckeye Jimmy Bell on Saturday night before kickoff. 34-10 Buckeyes. I said.
1: Well, that's that's what you are. You're check with Jimmy Bell.
0: Leader. check with JB. Fortune on teller.
1: That. Uh, I, I got a hard time going against 49ers coming yeah. off okay. a bye. Okay. I'm gonna go. 24
0: 21. Okay, we each see a three point margin, but the opposite way. By the way, Kyle Shanahan, a little drama. He was the Browns' offensive coordinator during the Mike Pettin era and uh, was under contract to stay with the Browns and presented a PowerPoint presentation to Jimmy Haslam as to why he should let him out of his contract go to go to Atlanta and call plays to lead the Falcons to the Super Bowl. Until they forgot to it's run the best play caller in football. Yeah, so there you I'll go. i go to Carl my grave Shanahan saying that. has a little Browns history behind him. Yeah. All right, we are at the portion of the podcast where we discuss faith, and I promised the folks last night with this ongoing controversy in the NBA about China that we would fold that into a faith perspective. Are you familiar with the China situation I am not. in the NBA? All right, Daryl Morey is the general manager of the Houston Rockets. Okay. Daryl Morey's a Medina, Ohio native. Which has nothing to do with this, but I just thought it'd be a a point of emphasis. So Friday, Daryl Morey and the Rockets are in China to play some exhibition games. And if you don't know, the NBA is huge in China. Um, NBA China is, is a business valued at $4 billion. James Harden, LeBron James, all the big stars make a lot of money off their shoes in China. Yao Ming, of course, China Basketball Federation. So Daryl Morey... Uh, with uh, And you're familiar, of course, with the unrest, China and Taiwan. Yes, I am. China's celebrating its 70th year as a communist country, and there's lots of protests in the streets in Taiwan, lots of violence. And China has proposed a law, now that they uh, have controlled Taiwan for a while, that they can extradite people from Taiwan to China and prosecute them in China, which would not make me feel good if I was Taiwanese. Reeducation camp. Yeah, that's Right. So, Daryl Morey tweets on Friday night that uh, something about stand with Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is uh, ripped by the NBA for this. And his owner, uh, here's the tweet from uh, Daryl Morey. Well, this is the walk-back tweet. He's, his owner of the Houston Rockets, Tillman Fertitta, said he was wrong. We are not a political organization. Uh, The NBA has come out with, uh, you know, some namby-pamby tweet about, uh, you know, we respect China and their decisions are their decisions and all this kind of stuff. Daryl Morey's walkback tweet, I did not intend my tweet to cause any offense to Rockets fans and friends of mine in China. I was merely voicing one thought based on one interpretation of one complicated event. I have had a lot of opportunity since that tweet to hear and consider other perspectives. So ESPN is there this week doing shows. Uh, it's it's a situation where you and I have both been in. You speak what you, in your heart, believe to be truth. Daryl Morey coming out in support of freedom. Mm-hmm. And you get roundly criticized for it. So I thought in a faith perspective, in a world today where there's lots of things going on that Christians might not believe in, uh, how do you handle it when you're in a situation like that?
1: Well, I respect my employer, for one. And I think Daryl uh, understands that the NBA as a business relationship with China. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not in the NBA, in your employer, who they're just doing business. Whether you agree with it or not, it's doing business. I think you have an obligation to honor your relationship with your business. If it's bad for the business, it's. I don't think uh, you should do anything that looks negative upon that business. Um, that's why we, and when we were doing regular radio, you know, we were careful of how we said what we said mm-hmm. out of respect for the employer. When I do games on Fox, I am careful what I say. I try to avoid all politics. Mm-hmm. I avoid religion because it's not the time and place for it. When I'm on a podcast, I have no problem saying what I believe, but I'm not representing Chris Spielman when I'm doing an NFL game. I'm representing Fox Sports and I work for Fox Sports and they ask me to keep all politics. They don't tell me to say, you know, don't tell me to say vote Democrat, right. vote Republican. They don't tell me what to say, but I also respect them and knowing that they're, the football game is not about my political or religious views. It's about the football game. And quite frankly, I think that should be respected. I don't know where you are, but I I, I don't have a problem with that.
0: I uh, certainly believe that we're all subject to authority and we need to respect authority up to a point where we feel like it conflicts with our faith. I don't think Fox asking you to, if they indeed even make it that plain, to refrain, just keep it on football. Right. You're doing a football game. I don't have a problem with that. If Fox were running... Um, Supportive ads, or let's say, you know, during a game, there there are live reads. Kind of, Tom will do a read for a show coming up on Fox right. or something like that. If there were a read during a game and your producer told you to read it, and it was something that conflicted with your faith, mm-hmm. you would not do it. No, I would not. So I and, think, and I, in, in fairness, Fox wouldn't ask me. No, but I'm
1: saying to do that
0: in, in a scenario where in we're trying to delineate where the lines are. Mm-hmm. The lines for you are, I have an employer, I work for the employer, I represent the employer, I'm going to follow the rules, and I know what the rules are going in. Right. But if those rules ever change to the point where you have to do something that reflects poorly on your faith, renounces your faith, expresses something that's not in line with who you are as a man, I know you well enough to know you would not do that. No, it.
1: if, 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 I mean, this was obviously extreme in, in say, uh, hey, Chris, uh, you know, we, you can keep your job as long as you say Satan is king <laughs> on air. Yeah, or well, read,
0: a, you know, read a, a plea for a fundraising effort for an endeavor that you don't support. Right.
1: I mean, I, I wouldn't do that. But, again, I go back to uh, that I think I have a relationship where I can go to the employer and say, look, I'm not comfortable doing this, and you guys know, um, I mean, it's clear where I am and what I believe in, but I think Fox Sports as a whole understands and where I come from and the sports part of it is keep it on sports. It's not about politics. It's not about religion. It's about sports. It's about a football game. I'm not there on on Sunday afternoons. I don't have a job because of my expertise in the different denominations of Christianity. I'm not there to uh, raise my conservative views on politics. That's not why I'm there. Now, if somebody wants that, then they would put me on Fox News.
0: Right. I think for me, as I pondered this, it's a, a balance, and this is why it's important to be in the Word of God, to understand it in context, uh, a balance between two scriptures I can think of. Number one, Ephesians. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay, very good. Ephesians 6.10 which is essentially the full armor of God and stand firm, stand firm in the truth. And the other is an admonition from Paul is to, as much as is possible, live at peace with everyone. Yeah, You know, you can, it's possible for you to live at peace with Fox's preference for you to stick to football. But if that ever conflicted with your faith, or you had to betray your faith in some way, then that would be a point where it would not be possible right. for you to live at peace with them and to follow their uh, preferences. Well, for absolutely, your
1: but again, I, I don't. I never ever have concerned myself with that. And even when we did radio, we were never told what yeah. to say or what not to say.
0: For instance, right. I'll give you. I'll give you an example from from my life, and I've been with several employees. I've never had
1: that. Well, I just want to say I've never. Yeah. Been confronted about that
0: well I don't want to make it about an individual issue right. with Fox let's make it about something that because you know you're unique and you work for a major network but most people work for an entity where I don't even know if this is the time of year but there are a lot of entities that gain some kind of corporate uh, status if a high percentage of their employees give to United Way okay they and there's and there's pressure real or implied hey you know United Way coming around United Way is great give to United Way I have never given to United Way Because I know that some of the organizations that United Way supports are organizations that I do not want a portion of my money to go to. I give my money to my local church. I give it to various organizations, various mission organizations, and stuff like that. I want to make sure that I'm not funneling any of my money to... Uh, Planned Parenthood or other organizations like that. And so I never have given to United Way. Now, have I gotten the second, third, fourth, and fifth plea from my employer? You know, hey, you know, Bruce, you're the only one. Blah, blah. Yeah, I have. But it's not possible for me to be at peace with myself. Did you explain that to you? Yes, the I did. I'm like, and, and, they support and where were they? I don't think they liked it, but I didn't go into the exact organizations. I just said they're organizations they support. That I don't want my money to support. Mm-hmm. I give I give my money to charity through other means, and so I won't be supporting United Way.
1: Yeah, I've never run into that, so I I can understand how that's a. I mean, that's it's. I get where yeah, I can't waver, but it's an uncomfortable position. And by the way,
0: I should say before I get sideways with you, there are a lot of great organizations United Way yes, supports. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but
1: it's, I, I get it, Bruce, and and but I I'd say that's an uncomfortable <laughs> position to be put in. But that's like you said. Sometimes you are tested in where you're gonna fall. Yeah. You know, and you can't compromise. That's that's the biggest thing. Can I share one thing with Absolutely. you? Absolutely. So my birthday is coming up soon. And I'll be out Friday. of town Friday. Friday, October eleventh. I'll be out of town. And
0: are you hitting the big five five? No. Five four? Fifty four. Five four. Your number. Yeah,
1: awesome. exactly. That's that's the yeah. most important thing about it. I didn't forget. So I'll I'll tell you a quick story about that. But so I was come. I came home from Cincinnati yesterday and my two stepdaughters, my oldest daughter, my daughter at Bowling Green drove down and my youngest daughter. They were all at the house and they had a little surprise for me and they had some boyfriends over and they had, we had spaghetti and meatballs and we had this ho-ho cake and I don't eat, you know, I don't eat a lot of sweets, but I, I I hate that thing. And, uh, I just thought it was the coolest thing, you know, for my kids uh, all to be there and to have their, you know, at this point in their life, who knows where but significant others also Mm -hmm. there. And I thought to myself, you know, do our kids ever listen to us? What do they take in as they're growing up in in the fatherly advice or the fatherly wisdom that we pass on? And... The thing that I learned last night, and I said, you guys didn't have to do this. Why Why did you do this? And, you know, to all of them, even my stepkids who I've only had in my life for a few years, said, because you've always preached that the most valuable thing you can give somebody is your time. And I just, it was the best feeling ever that, okay, so they are listening. Mm-hmm. And I want to encourage all families, or all husbands and wives, and even kids, one tradition we have in our house, and it's the coolest thing ever. And I want to encourage everybody, if you like this, to, to hopefully make it part of your family traditions. On somebody's birthday, we're sitting around the table, and before everybody gets up to leave, we say, Okay, we have to go around, and you got to say, why you love that person or something that you love about that person? Say it about
0: the person whose birthday yeah, it is. Yeah, okay. whose birthday it is. Okay.
1: And and so when you sit there and you hear all these cool things being said about you. Oh, wow, that's powerful. And you say to yourself, I, I I didn't know that you thought of it like that. Yeah. You know, I thought I thought you were always mad because I was on your rear end all the time. And the coolest thing for me, and I, I won't share all of it, but I think the coolest thing for me that I heard was that um, I never waver in my support for them, no matter the situation or the circumstances. And I thought to myself, how sport, I of course me, how sports is a reflection of life and what sports teaches us. And my athletes in the family i don't have all athletes but my athletes in the family you know what they called me a great teammate that's
0: how they were trained i that's guess tra- and i know from your perspective that's that's what you want to hear
1: well i do because you know as a as a father and you you know this cuz well, maybe you don't do this but everything i do is is football related right so i grade myself
0: mm-hmm.
1: as a father or take I don't know what people in a real workplace do in the real world. i never had a real job so I have no idea but I imagine there's some type of evaluation period done by Oh yes. um uh, supervisors, s- yeah. supervisors or peers or maybe you have to do an own your own self evaluation. All that
0: peer review, self review. I've Wall never I
1: never done any of that so I don't know but I've always done a self evaluation of okay, what can I do or what 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 do I need to do to get better? Am I giving enough attention? I always I always feel like I'm falling short, especially those few years was when I was alone and, and just had the kids by myself. I'd go to bed every night and say I suck, man, I suck. I, I don't, I can't. There's, you know, I'm screwing everybody up and all that. And then you know, a lot of it's not real, but you know where that comes yeah, from. But yeah, but but you still do the best that you can, right? Yeah. And so last night it was, it was a. God speaking through them and affirming um what I hoped would happen and also affirming with all the kids even the boyfriends saying that they admire the faith aspect that I bring to the to the family as head of the family and you don't ever know if that's
0: you don't know if that's getting you don't
1: through. know if that's getting through you yeah. just don't know especially when your kids are becoming Of age, right? When they come of age. And I tell all my kids, look, don't, hey, this Christianity thing, I'm not putting a gun in your head saying you got to believe this. I said, you wouldn't do any good if you did. No, no, no. That's the whole point, right? You, and I tell all my kids, and I tell them this, you, you make your faith your own. Christianity has to stand up to questions. Yeah. And it's your job I'm going to tell you what to believe, but I'm not going to tell you why to believe it. It's your job to go figure out why you believe what you believe.
0: Yeah, and that's a decision every single person in the world has to make is yeah. who is Jesus to you? What are you going to do with him? Everybody so, has to make it.
1: I just wanted to share that, and I wanted to encourage all of you, especially moms and dads, and, and to maybe think about adding that little tradition to your to your family, because it's it's really cool and it's humbling. And I have a rule, and my wife, Carrie, has this rule that on any of our birthdays or Christmas, they are not to get us presents. They either, uh, unless they, you know, they either write a letter or in Christmas time, they all pick a charity to donate whatever money they are going to spend on money for us to give to somebody else. Like I told you, if I want something, I'll go buy it. I mean, that's it. I, you know, I don't want you... To give me a present, I want you to give me your time. And if you're not going to give me your time, then give your your talent or treasure to a charity or volunteer or do something.
0: I'm glad you had that experience last I night. Really it was tremendous. It was it was it was.
1: I I can't you know and and I I thank Carrie because she put it all together. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I've been lucky in my life. I married two great women, and I've been a man that. And I know marriage is challenging and there's been people that have had bad experiences with marriage. I, I I never thought I could ever marry somebody again and God has been able to allow me to love somebody again. and I know that's exactly what Stephanie wanted. But to be in a marriage is the a great marriage is the if besides maybe children is the greatest gift that God can provide you, and and it's, you know, man is not meant to be alone, I don't think, and to, for God to bless me with two great marriages when I think, oh my gosh, how lucky am I, and two women that are, uh, were, were both strong in their faith, supported me in their faith, they never, and their faith never wavers, and so both of my marriage is, and I tell my kids this, and I'm telling people, to listen, and that guys that are just getting married or, or young ladies are getting married. I'm telling you right now, you will have the best marriage if you put Jesus as as the top of your marriage, and that's got to be the focal point, because when you do that, you will love your spouse more than you can possibly do if Jesus wasn't at the top of your marriage. That's I don't right. know if that makes sense to anybody. But it makes sense to me, and I'm an expert. Why am I an expert? Because I've had two great marriages.
0: Dive into it, and uh, you will figure it out for sure. So awesome! Happy birthday in advance. Thank and you. I'm glad you had that experience last night. Where are you this uh, Sunday?
1: Uh, back to Arizona. Ooh. So, Cardinals uh, and <laughs> the, the Falcons. And let me let it be said that the games are scheduled in July of the first eight weeks that you do.
0: <laughs> so you'll be back Monday. Will you be able no. to get a red eye out of there? No. Right, we'll figure out next week, uh, yeah. next Monday. I meant podcast. to tell you that.
1: Okay. Off the air, of course. <laughs> <to
0: know. laughs> Off the but air. but since no, you want to keep it going. Well, nice. Arizona is a good trip for you cuz you get to see your friend Dave. Stay Pastor.
1: at the uh, I saw Dave yesterday and see him again and uh, stay at the Wigwam. You've ever been to the Wigwam?
0: I have been to the Wigwam. Nice. nice. You like it? Very nice. Yeah, I do. Well, right. Good weight room there. There's three golf courses there. What would I, I not love about it? Great weight room there. Awesome. So, it's one of the old-time resorts, the Wigwam. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. My in-laws are selling their house out there. I'm very bummed. We've had 20 yeah. awesome. What are you going to do for vacation? Well, they're now. moving to a to smaller where? place over by the wigwam. Actually. I can't believe That's where how my brother-in-laws live. I can't believe how selfish they are. Yeah, I'm sort of struggling <laughs> with it too. <laughs> oh, I love Yarnie and Gale. That place will be that place will be gone before it ever hits the market. What a place! All right, uh, everybody, enjoy the rest of your Monday. Spiels and I are back Wednesday uh, with more on the Browns and the 49ers, and we appreciate you listening to the Spielman & Hooley podcast.